1: Welcome to Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics where the conversation always gives you a foundation that is built on biblical principles so you can intellectually and critically learn to weigh out decisions about life with truth, facts, contradictions and the reality we live in and history covers topics like apologetics worldviews Contemporary culture and the Word of God to help you articulate a defense for how to live your Christian life. See how you can get involved and support Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics by visiting Throughout All That's Throughout All Now here's your host, Stacy Gaona. Don't you know
0: love, love can't stay silent? It's got to wait it's got to
2: Welcome to Throughout All Ages Ministry as we reach out to students in the schools, build up their character, and have them intellectually think about their worldview and weigh it with truth. I know last week I mentioned that we were doing a four week series on widowhood, but I went to Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills to widows of worth group. They meet every second Friday of the month at 6 30 PM. And I ran into a friend, a sister, a lady who is a part of a club that no one wants to be a part of. And I saw her and I'm like, I've been wanting to meet her. And, uh, She, I approached her and she told me a little about a journey she's going through right now. So I extended my talk on widowhood and actually I am bringing in next week some attorneys. So we both have something even more in common that we are part of a club. No one wants to be a part of being a widow, but also... We lost our husbands to COVID and hospital protocol. And I want to, as we go through this program this morning, I want to leave you with a verse. It's Job 14.5. You have decided the lengths of our lives. You know how many months we will live and we will not give and will not give a minute longer. God is the author and finisher of life and death. So we know that as we're telling this story, our journey, our testimony, we do not doubt God's faithfulness. It's him that got us through the most difficult time of our lives. We now have to make decisions without without our other half, our husbands, our best friends. And that is difficult. I sit here even a year later. I have to make this decision without my husband. That is hard. But I've learned through this year, as I make decisions, I run to the Savior. He sustains me. He gives me a peace that surpasses all understanding. And He is close to the brokenhearted. And in that, I stand victorious. And I'm sure Jenny does too. So as we go on to this program, I'm excited to hear Jenny's journey down this road. And as we talk about it, remember, when we enter into sorrow, grief, which as me, as a happy person, we try to get around it, over it, under it. I don't want to be in this grief. I'm a happy person. I have never been in this place before. And it extended so long. How do I get out of here? Well, guess what? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. In Grief Share, I learned the only way on the other side of grief is going through it. And in that grief, God is creating something. He is cleaning us out and, in, and putting in new things, comfort, peace, self-control, patience, the fruits of the spirit. So we need to trust and lean on him every step of the way. Praise God for this testimony. Even though it was difficult, God has chose Jenny and I to go down this road and we will stand clinging to the foundation, the rock that is higher than us. That is Jesus Christ who takes away the sins of the world. Hey, Jenny, thank you for joining me today on Throughout All Ages. Can you introduce yourself and just go ahead and get into your testimony?
3: Sure. Thank you, Stacey. Um, I'm Jenny Hamlin, and I like to say Mrs. Jenny Hamlin, Um You touched on a couple of scriptures that are near and dear to my heart, Job 14.5 and Psalm 23. Um, And you also talked about the grief and how suffocating it is. You know, in talking to widows, and there's 15 widows in my immediate area that are all widows due to the hospital protocol, um, there there are key words that we all say. One of them is, this is terrible. Terrible is the word. And that doesn't even, that doesn't suggest justice to all the emotions um, with the death of your spouse. Um, what I've learned from Grief Share, uh, you mentioned Grief Share, is to lean into the grief. It's, it's not something, I'm a pretty happy person too. My, my mother nicknamed me, uh, <laughs> you know, um, I'm a pretty happy person and my faith is, is I, I think, deep but this rocked everything. Um, you know, I had many people praying for my husband. Praying, There were people praying for me. The pastor of our church FaceTimed with me, Pastor Jack Hitz from Calvary, Chapel Chino Hills. Uh, and so there were many, many people praying. So I could have taken the path of anger. But you mentioned something else, which is our days are numbered. So I, I knew that God welcomed my husband. But at the same time, I also recognize that evil facilitated his death, and so that's what I'm fighting for. I'm fighting for justice. I know where my husband's at. Mm-hmm. I know that I will see him again. But I also know that he was murdered, and and so what I'm pursuing prayerfully is truth and justice. Yes. And 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 God has um, opened doors that only He can open. He's given me peace that surpasses, another thing that you mentioned, that surpasses human understanding. I can't do this in my own strength. In my own strength, I'm, I'm weak. That's what the scripture says. And it says to boast about our weaknesses. Um, and so um, I rely on the Lord. He's been faithful. You know, I'm sitting right now at a dining room table that seats 10. and <laughs> My husband is no longer at the head of this table. He's in all of our hearts. But I refuse to allow the enemy to have me believe that I'm helped in pursuing truth and justice. I can. Mm. God strengthens me.
2: That's right. That's right. And when you said what grief is and and losing our spouses, my, you know, it's brutal. It's when the rubber rubber meets the road, and um, we we become a new person. Honestly. We, as God is creating this new person in us. You know, when at my husband's celebration of life, I said something, I said, what do I have to fear? The worst thing just happened to me. I kind of bit my lip after saying that because, you know, there's a lot of things that can still happen. Look at Job. Um, But at that moment, being Five, seven days after my husband went home to be with the Lord, I felt that way at that time. And, all, you know, widows that were at my celeb- Joe's celebration, they understood exactly what I was saying. And I am just so blessed that God has brought you in my life. It, there's just a connection when widows meet each other we just have that connection of understanding. We may have never met before, but there's this connection that, hey, we're not just sisters in Christ. We experience the worst things. So, whenever I meet a widow for the first time, and to hear when they're at three weeks, or, you know, I'm like, just embrace her and understand exactly what she's going through. And I thank you for coming here and sharing your story. You both had COVID. Now you're going to the hospital. What is this like? Well, um, my husband didn't want to go to the hospital.
3: He knew he had done enough research to know that um, the best thing was to be able to stay home if you could. Um, but his breathing um, became very labored. He was using an inhaler. Um, he looked gray. Um, so that morning, um, Sunday morning, August 1st, um, which happened to be my grandson's birthday, um, I told him, I said, we can't do this. We're going to have to go to the hospital. We need to get some help. We need to get some oxygen or some uh, vitamins or whatever. We need we need some help. We need some intervention. And my husband said, all right, just give me a couple of minutes to get changed. And I should have known then, but like I said, uh, shared with you, I had COVID too, and so my my thinking wasn't real clear. I was um, foggy headed. My, my breathing was uh, also labored. Um, but when he said, "Just give me a few minutes," that was should have been a red flag for me that it, he was worse off than even maybe he realized. Because, like most men, he didn't want to go to the hospital. He doesn't want to go to the doctor. You know, he wants to do things on his own. Um, fast forward. Uh, we rode in the same ambulance. You know, it's, it's ironic. Everybody that knows us knows we did everything together short of his hunting. Um, and so we rode in the same ambulance. He actually walked from the front door, which is a good distance, to the curb with his oxygen at, I believe it was at 70 or 71, which is it's pretty amazing. Um, I, I came to find out uh, the pulmonologist said that, at that level, he could have been convulsing, um, having seizures, any number of things. Um, but we discovered or I shared with them that he's retired military from the United States Air Force and he used to free dive. And in his freediving, he could hold his breath for up to five minutes. And so they said that probably explained why he was able to do that, walk from the front door to the ambulance. He actually sat on, the jump, on a jump seat in the ambulance while I was on a gurney. Um, once we arrived to the hospital, um, he went straight into ICU because of his oxygen level. Um, I went onto a COVID floor. Uh, day one, they gave us uh, blood transfusion with uh, white blood cells for, from people that had COVID and overcome it. Um, by day two, it wasn't, they said that it wasn't working and that they were going to give us a or they were going to give me, I won't speak for my husband, he was in ICU and I was still on a COVID floor, but they told me that they were going to give me a COVID cocktail. I only later came to discover the name of the drug, which is remdesivir. But uh, they were going to give me a COVID cocktail. They didn't explain anything about the COVID cocktail, what was in it, what the side effects were, if there was any alternative um, treatment. Um, I was suffering, and my response was, just get me better. So I put my trust in the doctors. Um, that was on day two. Um, on day three, I was moved to ICU because my everything went south. I got worse after the first, first dose of their remdesivir. So then I was in ICU. Um, my husband, uh, on day three, went on a ventilator. Um, in the middle of the night, they came to me and said, a nurse, came to me and said, um, we have to have a talk. And keep in mind, again, I'm now in ICU. Uh, I'm now on high-flow oxygen. Uh, I am isolated from my family. I am in a room with two other patients. That's a very small room. One patient, I believe, was on a ventilator. The other um, was coughing and coughing. It's just I, I continue to pray for both of them. And, and one of the individuals in the room actually passed away while I was in the room. She, the, the lady, she coded in the room. And so I've got all of this in my head. And this nurse comes in in the middle of the night and kneels, kneels down beside the bed and says to me, we have to have a talk. Your husband needs to go on a ventilator. He cannot survive. If he has a cardiac event, he won't make it. Mm -hmm. And I took off the high-flow mask and started crying. And I think she thought I was going to hyperventilate or I don't know what. But she said, calm down, calm down. Do you want to see your husband? And I said, yes. Um, And she asked if I could get into a wheelchair, which seemed ludicrous at the time. And I just shook my head. She said, okay, what we'll do is we'll wheel your hospital bed down to his. And so they wheeled my bed down to his. Um, he looked, he looked terrible. Um, I was still prone. I was able to hold his hand. Um, and he said to me, it's okay. And I knew what he meant by that. He meant that the ventilator, he was okay with the ventilator. Now putting this into full perspective though. Um, we had had many talks about the ventilator and COVID any married couple with all of the, the, with the pandemic, you're talking about scenarios. If this happens, I'm going to do this. If this happens, I want that. And so he had made it abundantly clear. He did not want to be on a ventilator because if you go on a ventilator, you die. And so I was taken aback and, uh, the nurse leaned in at that point and said, do you see his stomach? and how he's breathing, he can't survive like that. He needs to be on a ventilator now. And so I said, well, do whatever you have to do and save my husband. Now, do I think that they scared my husband? They scared me. I'll say that much. I won't speak for him, but they scared me (laughs) into agreeing to this ventilator. Um, So he remained on the ventilator from August 3rd to August 12th. At that point, we were transferred, Um, again, we were both, we moved to a a rehabilitation kindred in um, Rancho Cucamonga, and he went into isolated ICU. He was in a a room by himself. I have not, not, keep in mind, I have not seen my husband from August 1st, with the exception of the two or three minutes prior to them putting him on the ventilator, and now it's uh, August 12th, and I still have not seen my husband. Um, in the middle of the night, on August 17th, my daughter-in-law, who's a nurse practitioner, called me, FaceTimed me, and said, she's a direct person, and I appreciate that very much. Um, she just said, Ed's Cody. And I lost it. Um, I tried to uh, call the nurse. There was no response. I started taking off all of the uh, things that I was hooked up to. Mm. grabbed the walker that was bedside and made it to the nursing station. Um, startled everybody because at this point I think it was probably, I don't know, <clears throat> maybe 10 o'clock at night. Uh, their response to me was, I told him, I said, my husband's coding. I need to get to my husband right now. And their response was, we have to get approval. You can't just go see your husband. And I said, somebody get me to my husband now or I will walk. I will find out where he is at and I will walk. And one of the nurses got a wheelchair, put me in a wheelchair, and wheeled me over to ICU. And um, the scene was uh, hmm. the scene was something that I asked God to take that, those images from me. Because to see them doing chest compressions on my husband when I entered that area is a lot. It's a lot. And um, a nurse came out uh, because they got a heartbeat, and I was relieved, and I was praising God and thanking God, but at the same time, a prayer that I had prayed earlier that evening came back to mind, which is, Lord, if there be any other way, please take this cup. Please, Jesus, take this cup. (laughs) But if not, (laughs) I will be done. And so I started repeating that prayer. And yeah. he coded again and mm. so they tried to save him again and they got a heartbeat again the doctor came out that was in the room and he said to me this is the third attempt of trying to save your husband if he codes again do you want us to make an attempt to save him and i said absolutely because we had those conversations and again my husband is you know retired united states air force he's a fighter and he's told me that if anything like that happened, if if there was no, he didn't want a DNR, he wanted to fight. And so I said, yes. And so they tried again, and they were unable to save him. And they called his death at 1125 p.m. on August 17th. And my life forever changed.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I had to say goodbye to my husband, too, and make that decision to say, it's time. You didn't get that decision, but God was there and I commend you. It was so hard for me to say, thy will be done because I didn't Mm -hmm. know what God's will was, but I knew it could have been to take my husband home. And that was so hard to just fathom or comprehend. But when it was time, God brought us, brought me such a peace that I knew that God was taking him. And although it was still difficult, he gave me strength for that moment. Thank you so much for sharing this. Um, So um, I know uh, this next week we have some attorneys coming in. First of all, I want to say this is Stacy with Throughout All Ages. Right now I have Jenny who... uh, lost her husband to COVID and hospital protocol, but we know where our husbands are, in heaven with Jesus. And um, tell us a little bit about the attorneys that you reached out to. Um, They'll be coming in next week. And so, yeah, share that, Jenny.
3: Well, I... I found Matthew Tyson and Brian Gary through former feds. Um, And I found, um, what what I did is I shared my story. It's a COVID-19 humanity betrayal memory project. Again, that's COVID-19 humanity betrayal memory project. And it's just chbmp.org. So I shared my story and there are a handful of attorneys in the u.s that are taking cases and as god willed it there are attorneys in california and i was connected with them and that's um again matthew tyson and brian gary
2: now jenny um if someone what's the best way for someone going through what we went through losing our spouses to covid um how can someone contact you
3: um, they can contact me. I'm actually um, very active on the COVID-19 uh, Widows and Widowers page on Facebook. Um, so they can find me there. They can find me on Facebook, um, Jenny Hamlin. Um, and then also the Betrayal Project. Um, you know, I share three stories from that site daily. And it's there are no repeats. And that's tragic. You know, I share three stories a day, and these are all protocol, hospital protocol victims, widows, widowers. There's uh, there's fathers, mothers, children, siblings, and it's just uh, I don't see an end in sight. So my, my hope is that by speaking up and speaking out and pursuing justice, that it will prevent others from having this drug, this drug remdesivir. As recent as April 22nd of this year, I shared a story of a woman that got remdesivir and she's gone.
2: Mm. Wow. Yep. And um, I'm grateful for the attorneys that we'll be interviewing next week. Um, Those who are experiencing grief right now of hopelessness, fear, loss, addiction, loneliness, um anxieties there is a healthy way of grieving or going through these hard times and then there is an unhealthy way those unhealthy ways would be not getting out of bed would be using drug to take away that pain or alcohol so i encourage you if you're hurting please find help through your church through your doctor. And if you're wanting that help and you lost someone, what helped us extremely was Jesus and then going around other people experiencing the same thing. Grief Share, you can go to griefshare.org. Griefshare.org. And I want to leave you with this quote from John Newton. How sweet the name of of Jesus' sounds in the believer's ear. It soothes our sorrow, heals our wounds, and drives away fear. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is a reverence fear where we give it to Jesus and look at him that he is in control of all things. Thank you, Jenny, for telling your story. May God get this story out to many, many people and may it cause healing in their lives. God bless you. This is Throughout All Ages, 1530 Apologetics, and this is your host, Daisy Gaona. We'll see you next time.
1: This has been Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics. You can learn more about your host, Stacy Gaona, and how to support and get involved with 1530 Apologetics by visiting throughoutallagesministries.com. That's throughoutallagesministries.com. Join Stacy again next week. Look for Stacy on any podcast platform under Throughout All Ages. Please subscribe and leave a review. So I won't let the world around us tell me what to
3: think or say.